When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful people. How your spirit doing? Welcome back to another episode of Peace Talk Podcast. Oh my goodness. Uh, I've heard the critics. I feel like I got all the feedback and you guys love when I have a special guest. So uh, last episode, uh, I had my beautiful wife and that was really fun. Everybody loved it. We we want more. And so I decided I would uh, do an episode with the second most important uh, person, uh, woman in my life, my queen, the reason why I am here, my my mom, uh, at Wanda Peace. Hi, everyone. Okay, okay, so <laughs> stop. That's not your... That's... That is my voice. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's my voice. No, just talk, just talk I'm, normal. I'm we... talking normal. <laughs> Thanks Thank... for having me. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, um, you have a bunch of notes for some particular oh. reason. Oh, I'm not... Th- what do you talk... They, it's okay to have notes. It, oh. It lets everybody know that you came prepared. This is also your first time doing anything like this, so uh, I appreciate you <laughs> being here. You ain't have nothing to do. Like, what would you normally do on your on your days off? I'll probably be sitting back watching John Wick one, two, and three. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. Uh, are you excited about the next one that's coming out next year? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> you just stop. You're not being normal right now. You're being very artificial. They're going to look and they're going to be like, "Why is your mom?" Oh. I'm being real. It's real. Oh, convinced. there it is. Now, you know, I'm going to stab somebody just now. See, that's the that's the Detroit. Uh, do you ever feel like you got too far away from Detroit? You know what I mean? Like, as, as like you grow up, you live in a city, and then you leave, and then... It was so different when I got to Iowa because in, in Detroit, people don't leave their keys in the ignition. They don't leave their doors locked. I mean... That was, that, was, that was an experience. <laughs> Do you leave your keys in your car and your doors unlocked? No. I know um, when I was, when I came from Detroit to Arizona and to Iowa, I noticed that I was always on guard. If anybody come up behind me, I was like, I would get in my fighting stand because I, I never liked anybody coming behind me and, you know, walking up on me. That's one of the things that I, I got from Detroit. But now that I'm in Iowa, I'm more relaxed. I'm scared. I kick back. <laughs> I don't worry about nobody coming up behind me. So I'm good with that. So if someone attacks you, you, you can they handle be, yourself. I'm going to knock them out. With what? what? Did you Have know, you ever been in a fight? You know I've been in a fight, Dalen. Okay. <laughs> you know that, that, I've been that, in a that, fight that. when I had to end up on... Um, Checking somebody. Okay, so the only the only two fights. Well, it's three if you count Dad. (laughs) If you count count Dane, no, those fights you lost. You lost those horribly. (laughs) Um, We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about domestic violence and uh, and being in an abusive relationship if we have time. But the only the other two fights that I'm aware of, one of them is, and they're not even fights. One is with uh, my brother. 
you guys got in an oh. altercation where he punched you, and that was the end of the fight. Like, it was not a fight. No. Yeah. Well, and then I the, didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and and you, you never watch a Fred Flintstone? Yeah. Where they have, like, a knot on his head? Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, what, that's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened to me. And then the other one that, that you were referring to is, this was a once upon a time with someone that you considered your best friend, and then you choked her. <laughs> you choked her up. Yeah, why you want? Yeah. How do you go from talking to someone like, did you black out? No, I didn't black out. We just stopped talking. We just went in on bad terms. No, I'm saying, how do you go from arguing with someone and then your arms around their throat? Like, how does that? How does that happen? Well, when one is provoked, then that's what happened. <laughs> it was my fault. And her fault. <laughs> she put her neck on my hand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. Any other? Any other? Uh, fights that that I don't know about. No, that's 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 it. You put me on on a hot hot chair. I'm I told you, but you gotta have a bottle of water, and um, we'll uh we'll go through. So you have a bunch of things that you have prepared. Are okay. they questions or just topics no, to talk you, about? Tell them. Do you know what happened to you when um you was caught cheating on your spelling? Spelling test. Do you remember that? I remember. It's not even a great story. It's, it is a great story. It's the truth. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Is this one of those stories as a parent you felt proud because I told the truth? Is that yes, why you always exactly. bring this? Okay, good. Yes, I was very proud. It's a, it's a stupid story. Lie. I didn't <laughs> like it. Well, we were do- I had a spelling test and I didn't know the answers. And so I looked in the book. You looked in the dictionary. And then um, the teacher pulled to me to the side and said she wanted to have a conference with me and said that you were caught cheating and that you didn't know the answer is what's your explanation. So I took you home and cooked you a nice dinner. You never cook. <laughs> I always cook dinner. No, you know, I cook dinner. What's a nice dinner to you? Fried pork chops, <laughs> cabbage, cornbread, and sweet potatoes. Okay, I will give you that. Anytime we had a nice dinner, it was always four course meals. If it was two, then we did shitty. So it was a bad day for us. You know, like cereal and orange juice. Like it would, when when it was a good day, you definitely did cook. Like we would have like a dessert or uh, something like that. So I, I, I give you that. No, that was a horrible story. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh no, it was the truth. <laughs> what okay. other? Okay. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? This is the truth. The hardest. Okay, just so that, everybody knows, every time she says this is the truth, it's usually followed by a lie. No, <laughs> so just, this is this is the real deal. Um, okay. The hardest lesson that I learned from my, my mom was this. <laughs> no, We're getting deep. No, I'm going deep. Okay. I was 18 years old and um your brother was two years old and they was having like a house party. And I was I Who was having a house party. Can I tell my story? <laughs> anyway. Just for clarification, I got, I, I got all dressed up. I had on mini, mini skirt, had on red shoes, red lipstick. And I came downstairs and my mom was sitting at the table. She was smoking her pell-mell cigarettes and drinking her coffee. I'm like, Mom, I'm getting ready to go. And she she took a, pu- a couple puffs of her cigarettes and she said, um, who's going to watch your baby? And I'm like, okay, Mom. I'm just going to go back upstairs. So to this day, I do not wear red lipstick and I do not wear red heels. That was my lesson. And she taught me independence. 
You mean taking care of your babies? <laughs> oh, that's what that's like. I see what you're but saying. Yeah, yeah. You're saying basically. That was have... my breaking point. I mean, that was just something that I would carry with me for the rest of my life. That's why I tried to instill that in you to be independent. I, You know what? I, I on, on last episode, I talked about, I think that's something that you definitely instilled in me. Um, and I don't know if it's by choice or just, you know, design, but that's where we... Like, you know, when you look back and say, hey, you know what, I, I learned that lesson uh, or I'm glad I went through that because of, uh, I, I definitely say independence was something that uh, you, I mean, where, where do you think it came from? Do you feel like uh, that was, like, was there somebody when you were younger that you looked to that, that, that demonstrated independence? Well, my neighbor, Mrs. Johnson, who, who raised us, She's your godmother. She's my godmother, yes. Like, back then, when people had babies, like, do you just knock on the door and be like, you're a godmother? Or, like, was she at the hospital when you were born? Oh, no. Um, She was... How can I say? She was there when I had had, um, gave birth to um, Daniel. She came on. So she was at the the hospital. hospital? Yeah. Okay. I had him at home at natural birth. How do you have a baby at home? Um, I I just didn't want to keep going back into the going back and forth to the hospital because a lot of times they send a lot of women home and say you're not dilated. And right, right, right. So I just waited and waited until the pains got really, really hard. My mom delivered the baby. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The as the story goes, <laughs> you were on the toilet thinking you had to poop. And then you were actually yeah, in labor. Y- yes, I saw the <laughs> you baby. Almost, I you almost pooped out Daniel. Could've, Daniel's my older brother. could have drowned. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a natural water birth. You would have just swam in with the alligators. Okay, so she came over. Yeah. And from, so so who was all there? It was your it mom? Was my mom, um, uh, my, my twin brother, Edward. He was there? Yeah. Okay. And Kevin. Gotcha. So all right. to the hospital. So after you had the baby, you went ahead and wrapped. So how, what do you wrap it in? You wrap it up in the sheets. We didn't have no blankets or anything. Right. Like so that. you just you wrap it up, put it. You know, you jump in the back. You jump in the back seat and just drive to the hospital. We we, we um. There's a biblical cord just just connected to the. Um, so the you so you were still connected to the baby after, after the you after you have your baby then it's a certain amount of time then. Yeah, um, the rest of the right, right, yeah, yeah, the afterbirth. We'll call it the afterbirth stuff. Yeah. Uh, right. So you waited. So when you went to the hospital, did were you still connect? Like, had no. the umbilical cord been cut yet? Um, no. Oh, that's interesting. No. So, do you remember who cut the umbilical cord? The or just the doctor. Okay. Yeah. I cut. I cut both both my son's umbilical cord. I know. Well, you don't know. I can lie. No, you know? you, so you weren't in the room. I know the you know? story. Okay. Well, there's people that don't know the story. And well, then I... we need to tell them. <laughs> so for both of my children, I cut the umbilical cord. The first one was actually hilarious because we just had, when you have the right doctor, it makes things, the experience so much greater. We had a doctor named Dr. Desi Brotz, Brotsky yeah, from uh-huh. Arizona. Who I think she started her own practice uh, finally, but she was also my doctor as well. Yeah, for for a short period of time, uh, right before we left Arizona, and we, uh, my first son Drake, he had so much hair, 
and as he was coming out, <laughs> and I set the I set the stage because obviously we're first time parents at this time, and we didn't know what to expect. And we were I was cracking jokes, and uh, we were laughing, just having a good time. And as Drake was coming out, De- uh, Desi or Desiree is her real, real first name, but we called her Desi. She was uh, <laughs> she was making Drake's hair into a mohawk, and it was just it was just a really fun experience. And then he came out, and I cut the umbilical cord. Um, you guys were outside of the room. Yeah, that's when I came in. <laughs> yeah. My uh, my mom and Monica's parents, along with her grand, uh, was it both grandmas or just one grandma? I think one it was just grandma. one, just one grandma. Yeah. So her mom's mom, they were all there. They were basically outside of the room, and then my mom like crept in, and you know, like they were like, you can't be in here at this time. And so, so they had we to like, you got kicked, you got like kicked out of a hospital room. <laughs> yeah, we was all crying and hugging, and it, yeah. that was a wonderful yeah. experience. That was really that was that was great. And then the, when we had Kyrie, the second kid, the ugly baby, he uh, that was a completely different experience. Nobody was there. They, they we we had him here in Iowa, and nobody is basically allowed in the hospital, you know, area at this time. And we just had him. She went into labor. And it was a really quick delivery. We didn't expect uh, that to happen so fast. So I cut both of our, our kids in umbilical cord. And uh, hopefully uh, be able to cut the, the third and final. Oh, this is actually the first episode where you would hear that we are not having a baby boy. We thought we were. But uh, <laughs> the information came out where we did an early um, test from the hospital. So... The one that we did was like some private owned company that takes early blood work and they try to tell you if it's going to be a boy or a girl. That came out incorrect. So we are not having a boy. We took uh, this basically the same test but through the hospital and because Monica is over the age of 35 and they have like high risk. So they did that through the hospital. They got the information back and we are not having a boy. Kobe will be a girl. Her name uh, will be Kobe Amaya Peace, and that is the final, hopefully the final chapter of this whole baby thing. But for those who hadn't known or heard, we are having a girl, so it's going to be boy, boy, girl. Yeah, and um, we did bet, and guess who won? Yeah, me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we, we bet. $20. $20. We bet $50 last baby. Yeah. Um, And then this baby, we bet 20 or 25 20 And we bet 25 You can keep it and buy Uncle B some pampers. I appreciate it. it. Thank you. So uh, that was pretty cool. Um, So in an earlier episode, actually episode one, I talked about my brother and uh, my... Rel- I, I, I kind of grazed through um, his current situation. He is... Um, incarcerated, and he's been there for a very long time. How, how long? Twenty years. Twenty years. Wow. And we get to see him. Uh, I want to say kind of regularly, but for us, that'll be like once or twice a year. Um, the last time we saw him, which was end of last year, yeah, in November or October. October. It was a really good visit. Yeah. Um, you know, like the whole situation, if you know anybody or if you have anybody in your family that um, is is locked up, sometimes that can be very hard for the people outside, even though it's like, hey, he's doing all the, the hard work and the heavy lifting and, and being but, locked up. We still experience that from... But there there's a lot of times that people don't realize when a person is incarcerated, they seem to think that they get free 
meal, I mean, free clothes and free commissary. No, most of the people that's incarcerated, they have to um, either work or um, their loved ones have to send them money because it, nothing's provided for them. And Daniel has a job where, yeah. how much does he make? Oh, in a month, he earns like um, maybe $56. In a month, and he works, like, almost every day. Four four days a week. So, like, he's, I think it's, I I know we did the math where we saw one of his pay stubs or something like that, where it's, like, you know, a dollar thirty-eight an hour, something like, like, it's, it's insane that, um, that's how, how little they make. And I know there'll be people that'll, that'll hear this or just, you know, your initial thoughts is like, well, at least he's making something or she is making something. But being in prison is, is difficult. Um, I think there are movies and TV shows that are out there that have done a good job of shining light on, you know, the, the pain that, 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 you know, these people, uh, experience. I would say more recently, one that really connected to me. I, I can't even the way they see us. Do you, is that the is way that, they see us? I don't know if that's if I'm saying the Netflix oh, the yes, Netflix yes. Uh, documentary if, that they if, did if about the one turned in. That's yeah, the, 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 a good depiction of, of of prison life. Yeah, and know it's they 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 used to call them the Central Park Five, but they basically kind of took that name and, and bought it up and now they go by the exonerated five which they should be because you know these five boys really went to jail uh in juvenile for no reason at all and uh the reason why i brought that up is i know that that's probably the most recent thing that i saw last year um that involves prison like is it hard to see prison movies for you and yes and... I, I can't look at any uh, yeah. any prison movies it's just too disheartened right, to see that. Right. So and I, I just think they not only told a beautiful story, but they I think they you really felt a lot of the emotions that the boys went through. And they were just boys, so um I don't know. And then in 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 um prison he's helped a couple of people um with reading. A lot of people come there and do not know how to read. He's helped them. Yeah, I it's 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 kind of what you were saying. There's a huge misconception yes. of how the life how the you know the the everyday life is for someone that is in prison or, or locked away, and again I understand there there's the argument of if you you don't do the crime if you can't do the time or um, whatever whatever it is you, you may feel like these people have done this to themselves that's true in a lot of cases. However, there are a lot of cases that I personally feel that I've seen where. You know, when you look at the disenfranchised and you look at people who don't have the same opportunities as others, uh, and then you also look at how, you know, I can commit the same crime as somebody of a different complexion and, and have a completely different trial and, and sentence, it it really pakes the question of this is a very unfair, unjust system that has targeted minorities and, and black people for a very long time and continues to. But at the same time, what what I think is very uh, like what goes without saying is there was a lot of people, men and women that that you know commit these crimes and actually reform and change and they become a different and a better person, but they still have to go through this very um, difficult transition. And I think sometimes when when that happens is 
you know, somebody changes and they want the better for themselves, but they're, they, they still go through this very dreadful time where a lot of their time and life and, and connections to the outside world is lost. Um, by the time he gets out, it, you know, the world would be a much different place than it was when he, when he went in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very, very informative. Thank you for sharing that with the audience because some people may not understand what it is for someone to be incarcerated. Like I said, uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine and she like, well, prison, they get this and they get that. I had to explain to her, no, it's, it's not like that. Everything that they get from um, soap to clothing, shoes, they have to pay out of their pocket. Right. And, and as far as the bare minimum, yes, they are fed. But, you know, just think about quality of food. Um, we have the option and luxury to be able to go. Well, maybe not here in Iowa because it, it, it sucks because we don't have many options. But we have the opportunity to go to these restaurants and these places and eat and, and cook our, you know, food and, and make our meals. And we have all those things. They don't. They have literally these times of day where they just, they, they take a tray, they plop some stuff on there. And that's the only option that you have for nutrition and to yeah. eat and to uh, survive off of. Um, and yeah, like as far as soap and toothpaste, just, you know, basic, you know, humanity, you know, I mean, human, you know, uh, function, you know, things that you need to, to function. Yeah. Yeah. Those things aren't um, available unless you have some, some source of income to pay for it. And uh, again, unless you have a loved one or unless you are working and you don't you don't have those opportunities so i didn't ex- expect the conversation to take a turn but that's what happens on these these conversations we can talk about anything and everything we're going to take a quick break and every time i say we're going to take a quick break we are either going to have a sponsor or some type of advertisement and sometimes it's there sometimes it's not uh my sister was like you you keep saying we're going to take a break and then you come right back we'll see if we have a sponsor or not for this next episode but we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back don't Hopefully- wear anybody Okay, all right, we'll be right back. This is Peace Talk Podcast. And we are back. So, uh, I've been sitting here talking with my mom, who I've known for <laughs> I've known for, <laughs> for almost 35 years. You are turning the big 57 this, um, this year. You know how, how I know? Because for a, very, a lady never tells her age. For the longest, you you pretended to be thirty seven uh, for like a good a good fifteen years, like a like legitimate fifteen years. Um, it was so for this episode is going to air in February, but uh, this week we it was Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, bir- well day. You know, it, it's not his real birthday. His birthday is June fifteenth. But uh, the third Monday of every year in January is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And so I give my oldest the option to go to school or not. He gets to choose. And obviously he chose not to go to school. But he also has to learn more about Martin Luther King and and the the whole history behind it. Yeah, like we were were learning um, a little bit more about the Civil War and... Uh, I didn't understand this. I, I actually, I didn't know this. I knew black people had to ride in the back of the bus, but I didn't know black people had to get in the front of the bus 
pay, get off of the front, yes. go yes. back yes. And, and get in on the on the sidecar. Yes. Like that's yes. that's fucking crazy. Like that's insane to me because that you know a lot of times, depending on you know what kind of driver you get. They would leave them. Like black people would get on pay, get off, and yeah. like the bus could like leave them. So, we, so again, we we were learning about that, and um, it's kind of cool because I feel like uh, my son has kind of taken to the understanding of how uh, difficult things were as they obviously relates to today. But we were doing the thing where we take the year, you know, 2020, and we take a date. And we we do the math when we figure out, hey, this is how old somebody is. So that's how we figured out okay. you would be 57 this year. And uh, there was something else that happened in 1963. I think it's, uh, I would have to look at the book and I don't have it with me. I wasn't planning on bringing it up. But I guess my question why I brought it all up is, how do you feel um, as a, like, as 57, like, what does that mean to you? Do you feel like, hey, I've, I've lived a great life, I have so much more years left? Like, how, I don't know. What does I, age mean to you? Uh, that's a good question, Dad. Um, it means being able to see my grandchildren grow up, be a part of their lives. Um, I just wish uh, sometimes that my mom was still alive. Because she never got a chance to see a, a black president. She, you know, was passed away. I know she would love to have seen um, a, a black president, Barack Obama. That that was truly um, meant the world to her. But, um, yeah, I would definitely say family and seeing my beautiful grand grandbabies. Mm-hmm. And they, they're the joy of my life. How has being a grandmother <laughs> changed your life? You don't go by grandma. You go by nana. I go but. by nana. Um, I get. It's like I get to do it over and do it right this time. Okay. If that makes if that yeah. makes sense. No, because when I was um, raising you as a single mom, I had to do everything. I mean, I remember working two jobs, going to school, um, coming on um, taking care of um, grandma and mm-hmm. um, cooking because she was sick. She was a diabetic and. Um, it's just that's just that just being around family and, and caring for one another that, that it's good because a lot of people didn't make it to make it to see the age so I, I'm I'm just grateful I'm grateful that I have you in, in my grandbabies in my life that's good what um what was your relationship like with your mom it was really tough. Because you kind of brought up the story earlier where you put on the red pumps and you put on the red <laughs> lipstick and she yeah. kind of taught you through a very harsh but at the same time realistic like, hey, I didn't have those kids. Those your baby. Those your baby. Oh. So you kind of expressed that you guys had, you know, that relationship where she taught you lessons through hard times, uh, through heartache, but, you know, you, you kind of miss her because she's no longer here and, you know, you wish she could have been around. For some we of these we um we had a good relationship relationship. She was just the type of woman that didn't take no shit. She said what she said and meant what she meant, and I kind of developed that too, because I don't I, as I get older I don't have time for the bullshit. You either come to me, <laughs> and come straight, correct, and that's it. I I, just, I don't have time for the bullshit. Oh, you know what? I um was going on this dating site called Zeus. People that's listening, don't do it. Those <laughs> people are crazy. Um, I had this one guy 
that um, responded and said that he loves all type of women and ethnicities, but he said, I especially like black women because they're juicy. I said, delete. <laughs> I cut that shit. Uh, no, what's that wrong not, with not, these weirdos? Why is that not a compliment? Like, no, <laughs> what did that mean? I'm not juicy, few. <laughs> okay, no, I got you. I, I'm, I'm good. I, if, if God can't see me um, a husband, then I wait. And I just love the fact that you and Monica, and I, I think of um, Tiffany and her, her parents, and how my mom and dad. How my mom would look at my dad in such a loving way, that relationship like Deanne and Don have and mm-hmm. um, Rich and uh, Joanne. Um, I don't think I would never have that. <laughs> because I, I... I don't feel like you're I'm great too, in relationships. I, I'm, no, I'm not. Because I, I don't... It's not easy for me to trust people. Once I was going to say, you lie a lot. You, <laughs> lying is your goal. Exaggerate a little bit. That's a, that's a difference. Exaggeration and a lie is two different things. Okay. I, I just have been hurt so much in so many relationships that uh, I just don't trust. I've been in good relationships and bad relationships. You ever hear that song by um, Stevie Wonder? What song? <laughs> yeah, just I heard listen, that one. I, <laughs> part-time lover, that's what I'm looking for. You're looking for a part-time lover. Okay. Do their thing and kick and kick them out the door. What? I'm good. So it's a it's I'm... a prostitute ring. You're running. <laughs> you're running now. No. Leave the, leave the money on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, but that that's that's real. That's just how I'm just being perfectly honest. Yeah. You know, I, I I can I can't see myself being married. Mm-mm, no. I, I, so a, a, a greater question would be why haven't you been married? Well, I had, I mean, I wanted to get, remember the guy I was dating, L? I remember all of them. I was there. <laughs> yeah. He was a good guy and everything. And um, um, I moved in with him and I was with him for three years. And um, <clears throat> it came to a point I went to him like, um, I'm ready to get married. We've been here. We've been living together for three years. And, and you were guys, you, you were high school sweethearts, but you knew each other in and had a relationship school. all the way back yes. to high school. Yes. So he was definitely uh, one of those like people in life that came back into the picture and you guys yeah. started a relationship. Uh, yeah, lesson learned. So anyway, um, I said, I'm ready to get married. Um, he said, I'm not going to let any woman push me into getting married. I said, you know what, Al? I love you, but I love myself more. I left and packed my bags and I was gone out the door a week. A week later. But, but the sad thing about it, it was raining cats and dogs, and I stood there on the porch, and I was hoping that he'll, you know, say, take me back, or it didn't work. So, I, you know, I took my bags, and it was raining. But, yeah, lesson learned. You Women have to come to a realization. You have to love yourself. You don't need no man to validate you. You can make it on your own. Okay, I, I, hear, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with the concept. However, I don't think he's wrong to be like, I'm not going to let a woman push me to to rush yeah. into... Yeah, that's his personal opinion, <laughs> but it don't take no three years to know that you want to be with somebody for the rest of your life. I mean, you know, he his loss... Okay. You know what? In, in all lost. fairness, 
I'm a good woman. <laughs> hey, you, I like, cook your meal. I bring you. Not all that shit. You're not. You're not. You're, this is not like uh, one of those dating games. Oh, okay. Like uh, behind door number four, we have Mister Wonder Piece. Oh, okay, I was going out to yeah. the trying to advertise, trying to get yourself a man on no, my podcast. I, no, but you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Well, well, that was the thing about me and Monica that I, I don't know if you find fascinating, but the idea is. We had we've known each other for twelve years. We just got married now, so we had known each other for twelve years. We've we've gone through different states where um, you know we had kids. It wasn't until you know we were pregnant with Kyrie that we actually got married in two thousand seventeen. So it it took a while, and all and I, I I really I'm glad it did. Like unfortunate for for Monica, she stuck around. And there were some times that we just had some really rough patches. And I'm, I'm grateful that she did because I feel like we we came out of them a lot stronger and greater and all those all those things. But I don't think if we got married any time before we did, we would have had a lot of promise to our marriage. I think that's what happens with a lot of marriage. I think people rush into marriage or women force guys to get married or or, or they could just leave or, or, or go yeah, or yeah or guys like they 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 I just feel like you you both have to be ready and I know yeah, I know true. sometimes women have like hey I, I, I want to be married at this time this is what I need and guys are the same thing you guys have to agree on the otherwise it don't work but my I would have I would feel like it's a bigger it would be a sadder story if you guys did rush into get you know into a marriage and then you guys are divorced six months, you know a year later, just because you both wasn't really ready for that commitment, and you know sometimes we just say I I I do because you have a child with somebody or you don't want somebody to leave. So, all right, you have you have more notes that we oh, we we um, um we disregarded. I want to make sure you. What was uh, what's your what, what can you give me a, a time frame? What was the fondest memory of your childhood? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, so this, this is something that I feel like I'm going to have to work through, through counseling with like a therapist in like 15, 20 years from now. Maybe, maybe sooner. We'll see. I have these moments that I replay, but there's a lot of, uh, like blank spots. And I was actually thinking about this today or the other day about, reaching out to Dane. So, uh, Dane is my, my father, biologically, I guess. <laughs> and, um... Oh, you're gonna get ready to get some started, but continue. No, no, I'm, I, we'll, we'll see. And Eminem is one of my personal favorite uh, artists. I, I, lo- I love his work. I was a huge fan of him. I feel like I was the first person that was a fan of him before everybody else was. Yeah, that's and I'll, true. I'll always hold on to that because while I was trying to listen to this white boy from Detroit... No one really gave a shit, and, and I just kind of held on. And I think he's made some great music. He just recently put out a new album called uh, "Music to Be Murdered By," which is kind of an Alfred Hitchcock um, throwback. And he has this song on there where he addresses his biological dad, who had passed away, who has now passed away. And he he kind of still talked about the anger that he had for him. He has this one part in the song where he talks about how his dad would like post pictures of him as if he was a proud dad. And my dad 
does that. He like he he goes on my page or my mom's page and he'll take a picture of my kids and he'll post like, oh, look at my grandkids as if he's ever met them or been a part of their life in any way. And it it there was a rage there, but now it's more comical. And I brought all that up to say there like before he dies, I love to have, you know, conversations with him. I just don't know if mentally I'm I'm ready for that but because I like to learn more about about my childhood or about the people in my family so to answer your question there's just this one moment that I remember and the reason why it's one of my favorites is because of the laughter like we always laugh you kind of uh didn't talk about it but uh, your mom grandma grandma peace she was a hateful woman she was very angry and she was very evil and uh but that was her character and that was her role and it was hilarious now looking back at some of the things she did some of the things was was complete child abuse <laughs> like, it was, it was, it, was yeah. it was very like uh like she couldn't she couldn't do the th- like in 2020 she would have been arrested like yeah. she would have, like most definitely i agree with you but yeah. this was around the time nutty professor had came out with eddie murphy and it was just we we watched it as a family um and the family would extend to your sister, uh, like your sister was on drugs and she would like disappear from times. And this is one of the times she just kind of popped up and and we were so like kids where we didn't, we were just happy that she was back around. Yeah. Even though we knew she would like leave again and my brother had popped up uh, at the house and we just all ended up talking and laughing and watching this movie. And I it was just one of the funniest carefree times that I can think of. Do you have one of those that that because I like everybody was there. You you ended up you were there too, so it was it was you know it was it was a really fond memory. I guess uh, the, if I had to pick one that come to my mind is when you and um, your brother we always have family night on Friday. We would watch Full House. You remember that? No, not at all. <laughs> not, not even a little well, bit. Well, you know what? Yeah, that's what we would do. We'd always have. Um, family night every yeah. Friday. You, when you all talk to your brother, you can ask him about that. But yeah, yeah, you that guys, that, you guys uh, have a. My my brother is six years older than me, so you definitely both of you have a better memory about some of these things. The thing that I thought was hilarious about the Nutty Professor is I had I seen it before by myself, and I didn't think it was that funny, but it was something about watching it with the entire family that made it hilarious. And, I'm, and I, I believe it was the second one with the clumps, because the farting over the, the the table or... What about in Living Color? We used to watch in Living Color. Yeah, but Color I, I, don't remember, I don't remember Living Color growing up. Oh, I, I remember seeing things. I remember Homie the Clown and yeah. uh, Jim Carrey's yeah. character. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the Waynes Brothers. I yeah. got a chance to, to work with both Damon and Marlon, but... I don't. I don't have any yeah. vivid memories of that. Okay. What else you got on your uh, your list of? That's a good. That's a good question. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I seem to be short. That's all you had. Okay. That's all I had. That's all I got. What? Um, so I'll be almost thirty-five. Well, I'll be thirty-five this year. Do you remember your mid-30s, like what was going on, like what your mind frame was or what your admirations were at that time? Well, I wanted to finish college. Um, I was, like I, I mentioned earlier, 
Uh, at that time, I was working two jobs. Oh, you remember I was working at um, Mervyn's? Mervyn's California and Dearborn. <laughs> uh, working as a special um, assistant um, teacher for special needs kids. Mm-hmm. Board I did of Education? That, yeah, for uh, 18, 18 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to uh, keep my head above water. And, you know, I didn't want to... Subcuffed to drugs or anything, I just wanted mm-hmm. to be able to raise my boys and my nieces and nephews and give them some good um, advice and mm-hmm. get them on the right track. I, uh, looking back, how how would you grade yourself? As far as what, as uh, as a parent? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> wow, I went through some tough times, <laughs> but I. I I would um, say uh, a B, a B plus. <laughs> but you you have to take consideration. I was taking care of two households, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh, working two jobs. Then I've always had time to always cook a nice dinner. Do you remember that? Again, I, like I said before, I remember there were good dinners, and then there was dinners where it was like, we ate we ate a lot of fried eggs or when I say fried eggs we ate a lot of scrambled eggs and uh, fried um, bologna potato and hot dogs potato fried french fries and uh, yeah and french fries I mean I feel like I learned how to make french fries from scratch at an early age like I felt like I was I was we like kinda, three and a kinda, half we grew up poor we only had enough money to pay the bills do you remember the bin I remember the bin oh my god <laughs> the bin for the people who don't know that the people that are out in Michigan. There used to be a supermarket called Farmer Jack's, and it used to be a bin outside um, behind the store. And we would go, and uh, and you were young. I guess she was like maybe four or five years, and we would put you over in the bin, <laughs> and you would grab canned goods. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were garbage. We were gar- dumpster diving. Dumpster diving. That's what, it, what yeah. it's now. I think that's yeah. a popular term for it. Yeah. But that wasn't nothing new then, but now that's what we no, Yeah. It was, it, the thing about how we grew up um, that I am amazed by is... I really had a sense of this is how everybody's life was. Like everybody dug in the garbage for for lettuce and canned goods. Um, everybody couldn't afford like that. That was just I was a you know you watch TV and you think this is all actors. Like no one lives like this. You you know how you talk about Full House and like no one has this. This is all just like pretend. And you know the order you get, you start realizing. Um, through everybody having different opportunities and raised differently. That no, these these this is just how we grew up. And I think it also gave us some great life lessons, but for for a lot of people, it gives you two, you know, like almost like a fork in a row where this life can either send you this way, kind of how you talked about drugs and other things that people succumb to, or or you know, it can make you strong and and, and inspire you to, to to thrive for for better things. So um, good point. So we're going to take another break. And if you have any more questions, uh, I'll have you get them together and we will uh, wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. This is Peace Talk Podcast. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is it. This is the end. 
Um, how was your first DM- time? DMX slipping. <laughs> what? 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 DM- the song DMX slipping. That's how I, I, I feel. I love Slip and fall and can't get up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, that's about a geriatric person. <laughs> <laughs> um. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, this is oh, been... thanks for having me. I appreciate that. It's kind of nervous. Don't know how this is gonna play out, but I I hope you guys enjoyed our stories. They were truthful and honest. I will I will admit that there was a lot of truth to the stories that we we shared. Can't today. make this stuff up, folks. And they voice, they voice, they peace voice. Yeah, yeah. I just I just reposted that video of. Um, that that uh that stand up set that I did I was I was in Arizona at the comedy spot and this was like my first great video as a as a stand up comedian uh it was in 2011 and I was talking about girl scout cookies and it was a it was a story where some woman stabbed a guy over a Girl Scout cookie. Yeah, I and the that. you know, my punchline was, can't make this stuff up, folks. And I thought that was so funny, I kept trying to reuse that same punchline and like other jokes and it didn't go well. It just didn't it wasn't it didn't always call for that punchline. You know what I mean? Like like what do you call two dogs? Can't make that stuff like it feels like it's not the same. So uh that's funny. <laughs> but what would you tell somebody that wanted to try to get into com- being a comedian? What would you tell um, someone that's out that want to try to do that? Uh, I, I strongly encourage anybody to give it a try. What I learned is you can do comedy for a lot of different reasons. And sometimes comedians have a hard time accepting, you know, hobbyists. People that just want to do it for fun or just, you know, like... Uh, I know a bunch of people that's like, I don't even want to do comedy. Like, they, they was doing comedy, but they had no intentions on being a stand-up comic. It was just kind of a gateway to writing or acting or doing something else. And I knew comics that we like, you know, get out of our way. Like, if you're not about this life, you know, you're you're taking our 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 mics and our, our time for people that really want to do this. Um, my my first advice would be just try it, like. Even if you just want to do it once or it's, it's something that you want to pursue, I think it's one of the best, um, you know, ways to express. I think, you know, freedom of expression and, you know, with, with the first, you know, I was going to say commandment, with the first amendment, having the ability to to really reach down and find things to talk about and making people laugh at the same time is, I think it's a, it's a, it's a treasure. So I please like, give it a try. It may be a bucket list thing. It may be something that you don't think you'll be great at. Whatever it is, just try it. For anybody that wants to pursue it, like, I, I really want to, you know, be the next Kevin Hart or be be the next. Like, if you really want to do this, you you have got to say, fuck your life. Like, you, you have to, like, realize that in order to make this work, you have got to be in love with it love it more than you know a lot of other things that may be going on in your life and the commitment has got to be strong you've been doing this since you were uh, in junior high school remember you had an audition and you did uh, stand up yeah you know what that's that's very funny that you brought that up because in uh, the last episode I talked about like the first time I ever got on stage but that's not true. The first time I ever got oh, on stage, really? yeah, I, I talked about starting in Minnesota and and, and oh. you know moving to Arizona and really starting my career. 
But you're absolutely right. The first time I ever got on stage was in Detroit mm-hmm. at a uh, a, at a middle school talent show. Yeah. And I got on from for doing comedy. And you know the funny thing about looking back at it, I had three jokes. None of them were mine. <laughs> None of the jokes were mine. Uh, I had one Eddie Murphy joke. Yeah. Uh, and... I, I think the second joke was Corey Holcomb. I, I I don't even know if it was his joke, but it was a, it was it was from Def Jam. It was a, yeah. I'll find it and maybe I'll, yeah. I'll share. Yeah, but yeah, it was a guy yeah. from Def Jam talking about roaches. Yeah. And we had roaches, but um, oh god, yeah. <laughs> but it was it was some joke about overweight lovers and and eating you know like fat roaches. It was something like that. And then Tiffany, who uh, I mentioned, uh, my best friend, she. She told me a family story. And for some reason, out of everything to talk about, I, I went on stage with that and I shared that. Oh. And uh, it was, for the most part, funny and I got good response, but it was completely unoriginal. And um, I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that up. Thanks for bringing that up. No, I was traumatized one one time. I was six years old and then my, my sister caught a roach. <laughs> and this is real. Can't make this shit up, folks. And I was six years old. I was standing in the bed, jumping up, crying, tears rolling down my face. And I was on, I had on a t-shirt and, and panties. And the roach was craw- crawling inside my, up into my blouse. And I was just crying and screaming. And my mom coming there, what's, what the hell wrong with you? Lost your damn mind. <laughs> didn't call for me or nothing like that so yeah i've been scared of that roaches that's my that's my fear roaches yeah yeah (laughs) thanks for opening up and sharing all of that um well well, i think that was great i don't think we can top that i think we should leave it with with that and and dave should pay a wrap it up b i think that should be the end uh of the episode with my mom you were great anything else you want to tell the people before we get out thank you for listening to all our heartfelt stories you enjoyed them (laughs) oh now you got the fake voice again (laughs) she was talking real when she talked about the roaches but now she's like talking about hey thank you guys thank you very much it's been a lot of fun uh I just want to say this real quick. I appreciate you guys uh, listening and giving me feedback. I am still looking for questions. So if you have questions that you want me to answer on here, please reach out to me at, uh, you can email me at comediandayday at gmail or reach me on some of my social medias or my website, daypeacecomedy.com. Once again, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys. Uh, I had fun talking. I hope you guys had fun listening. I will catch you guys on the next episode of Peace Talk Podcast. Until then, peace, deuces. (laughs) 